I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. If you note uh, a more somber tone from uh, myself, Tyler Hunt, and Matt Bell's voice because the Badgers got back into the win column this past weekend against a rival Iowa, so we don't have to talk about losing football games anymore, which is something that it feels like we've been doing uh, for an eternity. And uh, the Badgers basketball team got into a win column this past week uh, since the last time we spoke. Uh, so things are starting to take a turn uh, for the better, despite the uh, weather, which seems to be taking a turn for the worse. Uh, Matt, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, ready to talk a little Badger football, Badger basketball after a couple nice wins that that uh, kind of lifted the spirits after a couple, uh, basically a rough month, really, of, of Badger football and then the bye week and everything. Yeah, you're exactly right. It feels like even more than a month with, with how long that those three weeks seem to uh, continue on. Um, but first, we'll we'll get into the basketball game and uh, we'll we'll get out that out of the way first because I know everyone wants to hear about the football game. Uh, but the Badgers basketball team did pick up a win uh, this past week. Uh, got in their got their first one of the season, and it was, they got some big ones coming up. Uh, so important to get the season rolling, Matt. I didn't see any of the game personally. I was out and about running around doing stuff, um, so I have no input on it. I, I saw the score from time to time. It looked like it was a little tight and close, uh, probably closer than the team wanted it to be at times. Uh, but what were your just your overall thoughts of the uh, of the Badgers' first win at the Kohl Center? You know, I thought I thought the opening tribute with Howard Moore was really well done. That was very nice. It was cool to see Drell Moore jumping out and joining the starters. That was very cool. You know, it was one of those uh, I'm not crying, you're crying type things for a lot of fans, it looked like. Um, But then in terms of the actual basketball, Kobe King had a nice game. He was very aggressive after kind of being held vacant in that first game against St. Mary's. And then Nate Reavers with the block party, he, he looked dominant. Um, albeit against an Eastern Illinois team who had their starter or their tallest player at six seven who didn't play a single minute, so it was uh, one of those games where I thought the Badgers uh, didn't shoot very well, didn't uh, dominate the off- or uh, the rebounding differential, um, but it, overall it, a win's a win. I thought uh, they did a good job on the free throw line and especially getting to the free throw line, something that the Badgers oftentimes just settled for jump shots last year. Uh, when they just were inconsistent, but I thought that they did a good job of attacking the rim. I would like them to kind of put the biscuit in the basket a little bit more, shot only about 38%, but overall, Reavers and Kobe King both played well, and I think they're both guys that are primed to have a, a good season as uh, 
Big Ten play looms in a in a few weeks, as well as uh, Marquette on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, there's good. There's some big games coming up where they're going to have to start shooting the uh, the ball a little bit better. Uh, but of course, they've got another game in I think McNeese State uh, later this week to to try and yeah. get that figured out. So. Um, yeah, I mean, from from what I saw, obviously the the tribute was touching. Uh, the, the, we had a lot of those waterwork type things with the football game and, and the soldier coming home with his kids. Those always get me. So I was I was welling up in the stands from from, <laughs> from the cold and and the snow in the air and and all that. And then of course the Howard Moore thing. I saw that on Twitter as it was going on, and, and that was really touching. I think they're doing a, a great job of honoring him and everything that he's going through. Uh, obviously, you know, a, a tremendous, you know, grieving process for for both him, the players, and of course the fan base. Um, but it was a, it was a nice positive, you know, on that tough story. And then uh, from the game, like you said, I, I looked at a little bit of the stats, and it looked like Reavers uh, was dominant. Obviously, Big Ten Player of the Week for this past weekend. Uh, I think he had what 18, 10, and 18, 10, and six or something like that. Uh, he had averages, uh, right. He he had. 14, 14, and 9. So he oh, had 14 wow. points, 14 rebounds, and then 9 blocks. And then King had 18 points, though, and uh, kind of led the Badgers or paced them on the scoring. But, um, you know, outside of the 15-0 run at the end of the game, that game was uh, really close when it necessarily shouldn't have been. Right. Yeah. That'll and that'll be something. You know, as they as they work these kinks out. You know, first you know first few games are always you know you see teams uh, that that struggle to shoot the ball across the country. And you know, I think you know a lot of teams struggle to to put the ball in the basket early. You see it in college basketball with with you know over unders. If you if you play the gambling uh, thing, unders have been hitting at a you know unprecedented rate simply because guys are are struggling to put the ball in the basket early in the season and. Uh, it just comes, you know, comes with time. You've got to get your legs under you, and I'm sure as they get the season going and get this uh, stretch out of the way, they you know get their feet under them. They'll they'll certainly start to improve, and we'll hopefully see uh, a new look Badger team that that can knock down some shots and, and stretch the floor and and be a nice, uh, well-rounded basketball team. But uh, that's all I've really got. Uh, unless you've got anything more to note on the basketball game, we'll just we'll dive into this. Uh, what was an unbelievable football game last Saturday? Yeah, no, yeah, just just uh, two two matchups this week that I'll be at the uh, McNeese State one, and then uh, on Sunday the big one with Marquette, which is always fun. So Badgers will have to shoot better, but let's get to some football. Yeah, and let's do that. Football, obviously, a huge uh, win for the Badgers. Really a great game between between two teams that are used to each other. Two really solid programs in Wisconsin, Iowa. You know what you're going to get, uh, and you know at least for me it played out pretty much how I expected. Um, but Matt, just what were your overall, you know, initial thoughts on the Badgers 24-22 win? Uh, it, I, uh, I loved it. It was great to see the offense kind of get back into a, some sort of semblance of themselves with running the ball. You know, they ran for over, ran for 307 yards or 300 yards on the ground, which is just great. Jonathan Taylor with 250 of them. So that was awesome to see after they've kind of sputtered for a while uh, and as well as Quintez Cephas to get involved. Um, obviously some, some things that could, they need to clean up, especially some of the pre pre-snap penalties. But overall, I thought it was great to see them get back in the wing column against a, a tough team that is given a lot of, given both Michigan and Penn state, all that they could handle. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what they do against Minnesota next week. Uh, Iowa that is. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it was just, just your classic Iowa-Wisconsin game that uh, came down to the wire. You know, this this game's always close, and obviously Wisconsin's got on the right side of it uh, these last four years. The only, you know, obviously big one was the last time they were in Madison when, when the Badgers just seemingly dominated the football game 
in all aspects. But really, this was was about as good a f- football game as you can ask for uh, from a watching standpoint. Obviously, yes, Badger fans, you you don't want to see um, you know them getting back into it and letting Iowa back into it the way that they did. Um, but from a football standpoint, it was a really just a really good game. Uh, but like you said, you know, there's some things that got to get cleaned up. But overall, the things that we kind of stressed, you know, coming into it and, you know, last week in our preview episode with with obviously running the ball well was, was going to be a key no matter what. And it's always going to be. But, you know, bo- both you and I touched on uh, the Quintez Cephas and Danny Davis getting those guys uh, the football more seemed to really help open up this offense. Uh, you know, from, from what I could tell, I think that was a, a really good game plan to get those guys the ball. But overall, you, you can't really knock too much. Obviously, there were some mistakes. A win's a win. And you'll take, you know, into November, you'll take these wins any way you can get them. It doesn't matter the score as long as you come out on the right side of it. Into Big Ten play, you, you know, you take all of them you can get and you, you need them. Um, but, but we'll talk about a little bit before the game because obviously there was a huge dynamic of this football game with the Minnesota Penn State game and you kind of came into this game uh you you were kind of expecting Minnesota to stumble against Penn State and that didn't happen despite uh Penn State making a late comeback I was watching it at a bar before the game and just you could feel the you could feel the pressure of the fan base from you know an Iowa perspective and a Wisconsin you know perspective where both both sides were rooting for Penn State uh, to pull that upset off to keep both teams alive as they went into this 230 games. But uh, what was your kind of feeling going into this game, knowing Minnesota had won? And, and did that kind of change for you uh, I mean, when, when you were kind of expecting Minnesota to maybe stumble against Penn State? I don't think it changed a lot. I still expected Iowa to give everything they had towards Wisconsin. Um, it was interesting that both uh, that Penn State and Iowa went for, in the biggest moments, went with quarterback draws with immobile quarterbacks so that was kind of a head scratcher but um you know I thought the Badgers would still be up for it this is always a big game it's a rivalry game Iowa's their blueprint is very similar to Wisconsin so I was expecting still to have everything from Wisconsin and Iowa and I think it just uh, stressed that game even more so because the Badgers couldn't couldn't even come close to stumbling uh, if they wanted to have a chance to go against or go into Indy or go into Minnesota with a chance to go to Indy at all. Yeah, I think it just put more pressure on, you know, not necessarily, I, I don't know if the players necessarily felt more pressure, but from a fan base standpoint, you looked at it and you said, okay, this really is, you know, an elimination game. Before that, if Minnesota would have stumbled, you, you still saw a path for, for possibly the losing team. But once once Minnesota won that game and really put the pressure on that, you know, you're going to have to get them to drop two of three, it, it really turned this, you know, essentially into a semifinal for the Big Ten West. And, you know, we alluded to it a little bit last week that that, that certainly could be the case. And you you hoped Minnesota would have stumbled. But now the pressure is really on to take care of all these games. You, you can't fall behind. You can't drop another one. And you got to you got to pray for some help from obviously the team that uh, you just knocked off. And hopefully Iowa can play spoiler for the Badgers, despite despite really you know, not having an opportunity to get to that Big Ten West title game. Uh, so it, it's interesting. It makes the dynamic you know, that much you know, different. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's what makes college football so fun. You get these late conference races, and usually the Badgers are in that forefront going to these few weeks, and you know, now they've, they've got to play catch-up. So it's a different role. But 
overall they're still alive and, and you just have to keep yourself above water and keep yourself give yourself a chance and hopefully you uh get some help from other teams but at the end of the day you just got to take care of your games and the chips kind of fall where they may and that's what you know paul chris kind of talked about that in his presser today with with you know nebraska coming in and is this a a bigger game knowing what's ahead of them and he said no you know we just got to take care of our, ourselves and our football game and and win our game and you know we'll, we'll see what happens as they go on getting into the nitty-gritty of the game obviously there was there was a lot of things uh from the offense that we that we both liked that we already kind of talked about um and of course there's some things that that we didn't like and, and you're going to have these critiques every week but what was something that you liked about the offense this week and what did you not like uh in this uh big 10 west battle I really like the offensive line. It's it seemed like they played much better. You know, they kind of stuck with the lineup and they went with it the entire game instead of flip-flopping the guard positions or even at times tackle position by bumping Logan Bruss in, but they just kind of ran with what they had. I thought that David Mormon as well as uh, Jason Erdman played probably their best two games of the of the year and kind of helped propel the the line forward. I thought they opened up bigger holes, bigger running lanes. Iowa hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher on the season. And then JT went out for 250. So it kind of speaks volumes to just how good the Badgers ran the ball compared to what Iowa had been doing all year. Iowa was the number, I think nine ranked defense against the run coming into the game. Obviously they fell considerably after that one. So I think it, it spoke volumes about what this team could, could be doing, especially after I think really a, a month straight in which the Badgers struggled on the ground. Um, if you take out that um, Kendrick Pryor run against uh, Michigan state, he even the Badgers didn't run very well on them either. So it was great to see the Badgers kind of get back and um, in line with running the ball, kind of um, asserting their dominance on the line of scrimmage and doing their thing, as well as then spreading it out to the weapons outside using Danny Davis and Quintus Cephas um, after kind of them being both kind of absent for a while too, it seems like. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the way they ran the football seemed to be seemed to be almost a, a collection of frustration, kind of kind of leaving their leaving their body of work. I mean, you you probably if you talk to the offensive linemen, they were they were definitely frustrated coming into this game. And of course, Jonathan Taylor doesn't like to be held down and not run the ball with success. So it finally felt like they broke loose and kind of got that monkey off their back of of hearing that critique and obviously. It helps to have an extra week to prepare for that and, and get things going and, and find some things you did well and, and did did not so well and obviously you know fix that and go from there. Uh, but I was really impressed with, of course, the push. I mean, there were some there were some big holes that we saw early in the season uh, for Taylor to run through. You know, we, we think about that South Florida game where they had so many uh, gaping holes and runs. It, it started to finally get back to that you know i don't know if it was it just uh, an adjustment for uh, from the offensive line standpoint or jt just finding them a little bit more and getting through there but there were some there were some ones where you could drive a car through and i think that's what we're used to seeing with from wisconsin and it finally felt like they got back to that uh anything as far as uh, what you maybe disliked from the offense this week yeah, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but the, the pre-snap penalties were just killer. The Badgers left a lot of points off on the field in that first quarter. You know, I think a lot of people are going to look at that 
that drive where they got down in the red zone and came away with nothing after the missed field goal. But even the first drive of the game, they had two pre-snap penalties, both of which were just uncharacteristically by wide receivers. You know, Quintez Cephas leaving early. And then the one that really got me was A.J. Taylor had the pre-snap penalty where he came out of the backfield. I love the look by having him start off at running back, you know, former running back and high school has really can be a dynamic playmaker and they bring him out of the backfield kind of a la Randall Cobb used to do with the Packers, get him out in the slot. He had a linebacker matched up with him and then he left too early. Um, So that was, that was just, that pissed me off to no end to see that because they had the matchup they wanted, had the opportunities to make plays and kind of shot themselves in the foot. You know, the David Mormon false start, before the field goal, I know really uh, fired you up as well. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah, we were going to talk about that. That one, <laughs> that one fired me up more than more than I've been fired up in a long time. I don't know why, but it just, uh, you know, that whole thing. You know, that that I guess I'm more of a proponent of of going for it in that situation. I loved that they were lining up to go for it, and then when you know when they took a timeout, I kind of figured, okay. You know they're going to take a timeout, make sure you get the right play, uh, and then to to have all that happen and then miss the field goal was was something that just drove me bonkers. And you know you're not used to seeing that from Wisconsin. Obviously, you touched on it. uncharacteristic. Of course, from the wide receiver perspective, you you never expect to see that. Um, you know, if an offensive lineman jumps, obviously you, you, you it's a little bit more forgiving because you're used to uh, you know those penalties seem to happen. You're obviously still frustrated, but. At the same time, you know, it's something that they're happening. They're trying to get off the ball and make sure, you know, make sure they're blocking and, and their assignments. But from a wide receiver standpoint, it just is, is that much more frustrating because you can look down the line and see the football. So there's really no reason for that to happen. And then the play you alluded to, obviously, like you said, they got the matchup that they wanted. But at the same time, now that play is on tape for Nebraska, you know, that that's on play for, you know, Purdue and, of course, Minnesota where – you know, you they already know that they have to prepare for it, and and you didn't even get to execute the play that you wanted to. So, you just got to cut down on those things uh, to to really uh, improve and and continue to win in this league because you know coaches see that one time and all of a sudden they know and and they know what to expect from from that angle. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier Danny Davis and, and those guys and obviously Quentin Cephas getting involved a little bit more. Uh, how big do you think that? kind of helped open up the run game as well, just giving defenses, uh, you know, a sort of a different look. You know, I, I actually think that it was more so because they were able to run the ball that they were able to get those guys involved. Um, you know, I, th- I think, I feel at times Quintez Cephas has been underutilized given his natural abilities. And part of it is, you know, getting back swing of things after uh, basically a year and a half from the program. But I, I think he's a guy that they got to get the ball in his hands more often, even if it's just on quick plays to get the ball into him. But him, but him make a guy miss and use his big frame. I think he's like 210 pounds to to break a tackle and and get out into space. And then Danny Davis, another guy, he's been such a crucial red zone weapon in the past, and it, they haven't gone deep to him as much. And so it was great to see them try to get the ball in his hands and let him make a play uh, in space. So I thought it was huge to have them. I was really clamoring for. They had done the the jet sweep with Danny Davis once, and they got a, a nice little gain. And then they did it later on again, or they f- had faked it, and the safeties are just washing down, uh, mm-hmm. running right at it. And then they used Danny Davis and and got it in for that like 20 yard jet sweep touchdown. 
And I'm telling you, if all they did was just do play action off of that jet sweep action, it was a touchdown for sure. The safeties and the linebackers were biting out of nowhere. Their corners were turning their heads looking at it. So all it would have taken was one of them, and I was just waiting for it. But Paul Chris never pulled the trigger. So that's something I want to see in these last three games to see if they'll actually utilize that because it could really open things up if they did it based on the way that Iowa was flowing to the ball um, on the fake. Yeah, they were crashing hard on that, and I think obviously you saw that open up, you know, a few different things, and you know, it, it works cohesively with the run game, where you know you just have to have that balance between the others. If you're not going to throw the football um, as often or as well as some other teams, you got to find a way to you know make that balance and keep defenders defenders honest, and, and that jet sweep is a way to do it. I mean, you think back to. Uh, the days of Melvin Gordon and, and James White, they they ran that jet sweep back and forth, even if it was just a fake or just a just a look for the linebackers to make them pay attention to something else. And they ran that so many times, and they've gotten away from it. Uh, obviously, last year got away from it a little bit, and you know, 2017 they they used it a little bit, but not as much as they used to. And I think now, you know, in 2019, they're finally getting back to that and saying, you know what, we don't have. Uh, we're not going to go out there and throw it, you know, all the time, and we're not going to obviously complete uh, a ton of passes that are that are going to keep defenders honest. So we've got to implement something else. And I think you've seen you know, the offense that can come off of that. And, and I think Wisconsin really does that jet sweep type action better than anyone. They've just got to continue to use it. So I thought it was really good to get it, get it. Of course, to Danny Davis. Hey, he's athletic. You want to get him in space, and you can run it to other guys too. It doesn't have to be just Davis. And obviously, Cephas is your deep ball guy, so you want to keep him out there uh, for when that opportunity comes, where where they try to take the top off and, and play some, uh, you know, throw some deep balls to to make plays. Uh, with him and obviously we saw that a little bit you know with Cephas it was fine it was really good to get him back in the in the game plan as well don't you think oh yeah for sure I mean he's he's such a dynamic weapon especially if they can get the ball in his hands that long 52 yarder was a thing of beauty he had that he just had an, an outside release and just blew by the guy there was there wasn't there wasn't anything to it it was just straight man to man and he just beat his guy off the line to the outside and uh, Jack Cohn threw a nice ball there so that was it was awesome to see them actually st- stretch the field a bit, something that has been lacking sorely these past couple weeks. Yeah, those two seem like they kind of find their found their connection again. Obviously, they had their connection earlier in the season. And then that deep ball and then that back shoulder, Cone, I thought, threw really well. And obviously, CFS made a play on it. But you can really see from Quintez, you know, his ability to, to catch the football. He's got really strong hands where he can go up and get it and, and in traffic. You know, I think he, I really do think he's going to be a guy that really plays, you know, at the next level and, and could be a, you know, a game changer at right, the wide receiver position just because his skill set looks so much farther advanced than, than some of the other guys that you see on the Wisconsin roster. So it, it's obviously huge to, to be going to him. And of course, you know, we, we've talked about it way earlier in the season to have him back. You know, his presence has been. Uh, you know, very much felt uh, in, in this season, and, and hopefully it'll continue to feel and be present uh, down the stretch here. Obviously, going off of that in, in the wide receiver position, we talked a little bit about it in the roundtable, and you know, I know, you know, fans of Wisconsin are always clamoring for it week to week. We've seen it all season, uh, but do you think really that all this talk about a quarterback change? Do you really think it has any legs to it? Uh, or is it just something that the fans are, are growing impatient and, you know, understandably so at times, but is it, is there any real merit to, to that, you know, discussion? 
I don't think so. I think uh, Jack Cohn is kind of likely who Badgers have for 2019. I know Graham Mertz has two two games left in that to remaining that he could play to still maintain his red shirt. And from all intents and purposes, they want to keep that red shirt status as much as possible. I think Mertz may be the more talented option long term. But I don't think that Jack Cohn is the sole reason for some of the offensive struggles. You know, I think that one interception he threw was was pretty brutal. Uh, and I think he I wasn't in the postgame uh, conversations, but I, I'm guessing he thought that that was man to man when they dropped into zone. But at the same time, that was a, a really bad interception. I also kind of fault the play calling on that one because they had been just gashing Iowa so well on the ground to then have go ahead and throw it in that situation was kind of mind boggling. Um, but I think, you know, he missed some throws against Iowa. He had some overthrows. Um, but I mean, his body of work this year has been solid and he's still the leader for the team to turn to. Um, you know, I think if things go sideways against Nebraska or Purdue or, or both or something like that, that they're really struggling. I don't think Paul Christ would, um, you know, not think about making a change, right. um, especially if it was against Purdue um, at home in a time when it's kind of kind of like that Georgia State game when Hornybrook came in for Bart Houston when you just kind of need a jolt. But I think as of now, Cone's definitely the guy. Um, but I don't see the Badgers going anywhere beyond uh, the two games for Mertz if that's what fans are really wanting. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you got to look at it. You know, I know people get frustrated in the short term with obviously the interception was bad, and like you said, I think there was a miscommunication there or, or a misread in coverage because it didn't look it didn't look like a throw, uh, you know, a ball that that Jack would ordinarily throw, you know, into tight coverage like that. He's usually pretty careful, uh, and and. He, you know, well, for whatever reason, you know, people people knock him, but at the same time, he he makes careful throws, and obviously the turnovers have been more pressing these last few weeks. But overall, he's he's not one to usually try and fit a ball into a tight window like that. So I think that was just more of a missed, you know, read and coverage. But at the same time, like you said, you've got to look at that long term and and realize that you know Wisconsin's two games behind Minnesota. You may not even catch the Gophers in this Big Ten West race. So do you really want to burn? you know, a red shirt or, or put a guy out there like Graham Mertz uh, just to maybe catch Minnesota in this Big Ten West race. If, obviously, if you were you're at one loss and, and the offense was stalling and you need to keep your playoff hopes alive and your Big Ten West hopes alive, then then maybe you look at it. Uh, but at this, at this point, I don't see, obviously, I, I think Mertz is the more talented player. Next year, I think this will be a very different discussion as to where they go, knowing that there is no red shirt in the in the possibility, it's it's the best guy for that's going to win football games is going to be on the field. I don't think anyone's going to argue that, but I just don't see the reasoning for for trying to, you know, make this change when you're seven and two and you've you're going to need some help to even get to where you want to go. And even if you do, is it is it is it worth that extra year that you might have of Graham Mertz long term? But you know, but at the same time. I, I get the frustration from the, from the fan base. You know, I, I know a lot of people were were texting me and were, were frustrated by it. But and and that's just in the game thing. And you know, you come out of the game with a win, it calms down a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's just it's just one of those things that yeah, you can only do what you can do. And and Cohen's going to be the guy most likely uh, for the long term, unless you see a really big stall, which I don't see happening against Nebraska, given the struggles they've had defensively. But we'll get more into that on Thursday for our preview at, uh, episode. Uh, but first, we're going to kick it to a – we're going to talk some defense. We obviously we wrapped up the offensive talk. We're going to kick it to a quick ad read, and then we'll get into the defensive line and uh, the defense and, of course, some special teams. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, let's talk some uh, the other side of the football. Obviously, we had uh, a pretty good defensive effort, but first let's touch on the special teams a little bit. I don't know what is, <laughs> I don't know what the Badgers need to do to improve in that area of the game, but frankly, the special teams has, has been really nerve wracking and, and not great all season. So, Matt, is there anything that you see or that you think that needs to you know, needs to happen to improve the special teams in, in all aspects? Yeah, I mean, I think I would gonna go with it in a twofold approach. I think it might actually be time to make a change. I know Coach Herring has been the special teams coach for the tenure of Paul Chris being here. But during his time, I haven't seen much. I know he recruits the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I feel pretty confident with most coaches going into the state of Wisconsin and being able to lock down those relationships. You know, I, I could see a guy like Jim Leonard doing really, really well recruiting the state of Wisconsin. Um, but really, I mean, that unit just hasn't done well under his watch, especially these past few seasons, whether it be the kicking game or the returning game, return games uh, for that matter. And the coverage units even haven't been great. Uh, and then, and then, I don't actually don't have another guy that I would bring in, but I'm just saying like they might need to think about making a change there because of the inability to make big plays. Um, and then I know that the Badgers added Blake Wilcox last year at kicker and they have Jack Van Dyke coming in next year, but I think they should probably try to add another walk on, uh, you know, the scholarships are super tight in 2020 for a kicker, but they might be able to take a, another uh, walk-on kicker in this class because, I mean, right now they're at 50% for field goals, and that's not enough, uh, especially with Zach Kent's probably leaving after this year, you know, graduating. Uh, they're going to need a guy to kick off. They're going to need a guy to hopefully be better in terms of kicking field goals, uh, and that guy still could be Colin Larsh if he gets um, some things figured out, but they got to do something to try to – bring in some influx of talent and competition at that position because the kicking woes are, uh, they don't look like they're changing anytime soon as of right now. No, I mean, you, you think that you think that, you know, guys are going to get adjusted and get their feet on them. So early in the season, you give it a pass, but we're in November now, and this is, this is not improved and you really haven't seen any flashes where it could improve. Um, so I think, I think, like you said, I think a, a coaching change uh, might be in the works and might be something I've said, I don't know that, you know, that's just a hunch of ours, but um, I, I certainly think you, you've got to just do something to make that change, whether it be going to a different kicker uh, or bringing out someone in or, or bringing, you know, an outsider perspective in just to clean it up because really on, on all phases, even Anthony Lottie didn't punt the ball that, you know, that well this past weekend and the Badgers never get anything out of the return game. Uh, but obviously the glaring problem when you're leaving points on the field is the, is the field goal unit, but it really overall, Special teams has not has not you know been the strong suit for Wisconsin in 2019, and I think if if it's across the board that you need improvement, maybe it's time we just uh, make a change and and see what happens and get a fresh perspective in there because I, I don't think any co football coaches overlook special teams, but as a fan, uh, I know a lot of people sometimes do, and you just expect it to work, 
And I know it's a hard face of, of football to coach, but it's something that you have to pay attention to and you have to be better at because it really is a third phase of a football game that can that can win you games if you do it right and you do it well consistently. I mean, think of Virginia Tech all those years. Uh, when, you know, Frank Beamer and Beamer ball, they, they were always well coached in that aspect and it won them football games, but it can also lose you football games, which I've seen across the country from, from football teams all over the place that don't do it well. So uh, I know it's not, you know, people's, it's not flashy. It's not people's favorite, but it's something that uh, needs to be improved, but we don't want to spend too much time on special teams. Obviously the defense was uh, another talking point for the Badgers. Uh, really they had, I would say, I was going to say three, but I was rewatching some highlights and it was, it was two and a couple minutes in that third quarter where things started to, uh, unravel a little bit so so really you know you know one bad quarter all in all but what did you make of the you know Wisconsin defensive effort on Saturday you know I think those 16 points allowed in the fourth quarter speak volumes I think the big play was that obviously that 75 yard play given up by Duran Harrell where he slipped and fell um, you know Tyrone Tracy was kind of off for the races after that um, but I think it in, in a way, the, the fourth corner kind of mirrored when the Badgers played Michigan, where they kind of backed off. They kind of went back to, you know, the Brett Bielema, Ben don't break kind of style of defense where you're trying to keep everything in front of you. It obviously didn't work given, given that 75-yard touchdown. Um, but going, to, going ahead and trying to make things stay in front of you, giving up the, the dink and dunk in front, in front, and Nate Stanley was able to do that. But I also think that it, part of it, that what changed was that Iowa – Iowa kind of started to change up their play calling, something they probably should have done uh, earlier in the game. You know, Iowa kind of was forced to open up their playbook and it kind of showed they were able to kind of make some plays downfield, something that I think kind of led to what happened for the defense. I think the Badgers were still playing hard, but they weren't able to get to the quarterback really at all against a really solid Iowa offensive line, especially their tackles. But they were able to kind of make some plays when they need needed to, especially against that on that two point conversion. Yeah, I think I think the biggest change, like what you, you know, just touched on, was was getting to the quarterback. Obviously, Nate Stanley isn't he's not immobile, but he's not the most mobile quarterback. And I saw I think we saw that earlier where Wisconsin was able to get through that Iowa offensive line and make some plays, and they didn't really have that in that last quarter when when Iowa was you know throwing all they got and, and dropping back on every play because they had to play catch up. And of course, the the big play that really took. If you want to, if you wanted to hear a needle drop, if you hear a pin drop, you should should have heard that Camp Randall crowd after that play because it, it was tone definitely definitely silent. I mean, did you notice that? Yeah. So, and did you ever notice? So this this always pisses me off when a big play like that happens. Usually, like. Most venues will just put on some music, get the crowd pumped, you know, try to get them back into it. You know, there's plenty of sound effects that the Badgers use. And the, they just go with the band playing, like, the Friends theme song. And I'm like, come <laughs> on. Like, that is, like, and it was super quiet. And I was like, come on. You got to be kidding me. That's just, like, killing things. So <laughs> that always gets me when they do that. Yeah, but I, I guess would... I've never I've never really <laughs> noticed that. But that is, now that you say that, it is true. I mean, it just, it sucks the life out of the stadium. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, all right, uh, let's get the the band back in here to fire people i know people love the band i'm not knocking them but man <laughs> maybe do something else to, to get the crowd back into it because yeah you're right uh yeah, that's something that you know, i've never really noticed but it actually is true now that you say that um uh, but obviously that play was was tough but the defense made a play to to kind of bail them out and you're used to wisconsin usually in those situations 
uh, just putting the vice grips down and taking away and making it really challenging on opposing offenses to get down the field and score. You usually don't see big plays in a situation like that from the Wisconsin defense. But, of course, the the, the goal line stand was really the play of the game. Um, you know, just from your perspective, you know, how, how incredible was that play? You know, the, the, just the gang tackle, you know, push back on a, on a big quarterback. And, you know, just what was your perspective on that uh, two-point conversion there? Yeah, I mean, it, it was huge. I don't think – I think most people in the in the stands were like, oh, you know, crap, this is probably going to lead to uh, Iowa getting this. Um, you know, and I, it, kudos to Chris Orr going in, going low, and then having basically a swarm of dudes kind of roll in and, and help him out. But you could tell he wasn't he wasn't going to get bounced back for anything on that one. Um, so, I mean, that was completely a team effort to kind of hold him back. And then Iowa obviously was was trying to their offensive linemen and running backs were pushing him. And it was it was totally a c- complete team effort. And you kind of saw Eric Burrell's celebration where he was pumping his fist and going crazy over on the sidelines after that. So it was definitely a cool sight. And, uh, you know, one of those things that's definitely going to be making the highlight reel going forward. Oh, yeah, that's going to be in the pregame, you know, intro intro video that they do for the next how many seasons. I think that that's a play that's going to stand the test of time. Is that down? Is that down where you sit? Cause I was on the complete other end and I, you know, that the, our end of the, of the stadium, you couldn't really tell if he got in or not, just cause it's so far away. You know, I'm in that opposite corner in Z one. I was looking at, I, like, I couldn't tell. And then we were just kind of waiting for the replay. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I stopped him. Yeah, we, we were, I, I'm kind of, I'm in uh G Okay. It's either G or H. I can't even remember at this point. Um, <laughs> but it's um, right around the 20 yard line. So oh, sure. pretty, pretty good, sure shot of being able to see it. And that was, uh, it, it, you could tell he wasn't in there. My wife was like, yeah, he's not in there. So it was, it was very, very and obviously everybody starts running off and about it, but it was, it was nerve wracking. That's for sure. I was yeah. like white knuckling there for a bit. Oh yeah, I mean, I could I couldn't really tell. I was just waiting for that replay to come up because it was just so far away that I was like. But then you kind of heard you kind of heard the other end of the stadium kind of cheer in where all of a sudden you're like, okay, he wasn't in, and then of course replay confirmed it wasn't even close. But it was it was quite uh, quite the defensive stand, and obviously Chris Orr uh, just making plays. Obviously he alluded to it after the game with uh, you know he doesn't squat 600 pounds, uh, referring <laughs> to Nate Stanley. So. Um, it was it was quite the play in a rivalry game. I mean, that's what you that's what you hope to see, and you obviously you need big plays out of your defense uh, to get that you know get that win. And you know they stepped up when they needed to after after you know being broke on a big play. You could have saw you know a lot of defense would just say pack it in and and you know wouldn't step up that following play because they'd be too deflated uh, from giving up that big touchdown. But they 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 washed it off and and made a play, which eventually you know came back to win the game because. Really, there was I think like three minutes left. If that would have went tied and we had to we had to take the ball and drive down the field to to kick it and win, that would have been that would have been pretty nerve wracking. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> I was didn't even want to think about that. I was like, oh man, three minute drive to to try and go down there and kick it. This could get off the rails quickly if we don't make a stop here. So uh, thankfully, thankfully Chris Orr and, and the gang really really stepped up when they needed to. Big picture, obviously, Wisconsin wins this game, and and this Big Ten race is is still alive in the West Division, uh, but obviously a little bit harder. Do you think this is, is still going, or do you think it's it's kind of over unless Iowa plays a big spoiler role here? I think it'll still come down to Iowa. 
uh, they'll have to play spoiler. But I, I still like I like the Hawkeyes at home. That game is going to be uh, packed. Kinnick is always a lot of fun. That'll be a place where it's going to be loud. Iowa's going to be up for that game because they don't like the they don't like Minnesota either. Um, you know they're a border rival just like us. So I expect Iowa to come out, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Iowa win. I think last I saw the opening line was like three points for Minnesota or something like that. So definitely uh, Vegas isn't sleeping on Iowa in this matchup either. So I'm excited to see that game. Uh, do you know what time that game kicks? Um, You know, that's a good question. I haven't looked. I know we just got the Wisconsin uh, confirmation earlier today, and that'll be an 11 sure. o'clock kick. Um, I'll look it up quick. Yeah, that, I'm not sure. But like you said, I mean, the, uh, you know, this game is really going to come down to, I kind of like Iowa too. Um, you know, obviously we said that with so. Penn State. Three o'clock? Okay. Yeah, so that'll well, be nice. We can actually watch it. Yeah, that'll creep into a little uh, night game, obviously with the with the early darkness here, the where, you know, Kinnick and Knight can get even uh, even tougher. And, you know, obviously, was, you know, Minnesota won that game at home against Penn State, but it's a whole different beast to go on the road and win games. And, you know, you could knock Minnesota's schedule all you want. They beat a ranked team, but it wasn't the comfort of their home stadium with a momentum behind them. It's a completely different thing uh, when you've got to go on the road. So hopefully Iowa is up to you know playing the spoils that way. But you just got to wait it, and see. Look it. it. Yes, look it. I, the... I was going to take home. Yeah, they're going to win. All right. Call, there we go. Call it now. Call it you don't now. Even, you don't even need to uh, watch the game <laughs> now that you've got that. Uh, Got that finished up, and uh, let's hope so. Let's hope Matt's right in in that perspective. Uh, But that's really all I've got on this game, guys. Uh, That's really, you know, I think we covered everything from the Iowa perspective. Uh, But like we we noted a little bit earlier, this is our 100th episode of the Bucky's Fifth Podcast. And obviously Matt and I have really only been on board for, I don't even know how many. Do you know how many we've been on board for? I don't know, a couple months now here? Yeah, like. yeah so 20 or so uh, episodes, if not a little more. Um, but this is the 100th episode from when Jake and Owen got that started. And we want to do something a little special, a little different uh, for the listeners, not just talk X's and O's. Uh, so we're going to have Maxwell Brunsky on the show after a couple ads here uh, from Buck Around Podcast, where I, you know, I'm not super familiar with it, but Matt, uh, I was obviously a big listener, and they were a very popular uh, podcast back in the day from what I understand. Um, so we're going to have him on and, you know, ask him some questions, uh, you know, about his perspective, because he's a, obviously a huge insider perspective of Wisconsin and, you know, very knowledgeable uh, and just a, just an outside perspective from the Bucky's fifth you know, podcast crew. And you know, so we've had Drew and Jake on, uh, but it's nice to get an outside voice that, uh, you know, fits into our, uh, our world a little bit. So we're going to kick it to a couple quick ad reads and then we're going to have Max on uh, to join the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
All right, and we are back. We are joined now by Maxwell Brusky of one half, I should say, of the Buck Around. How you doing, Max? Excellent. Thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. We love having you on here. You know, you and Richard were kind of on the forefront of the Wisconsin podcast scene all the way back in 2013, uh, before January when you guys uh, closed down shop. But how's your experience been this year compared to kind of the years when you were covering it? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, our, our podcast was always the, uh, you know, like the voice of the fan. <laughs> so I remain as much of a fan as ever. So, I mean, that, that part of it is, uh, never going to go away, but I, the thing is, I don't have quite, uh, quite the outlet for my thoughts <laughs> and feelings that I, <laughs> that I once had, I guess the only thing I do have is that, uh, my son uh, is a little bit older, so um, at least I have him to talk to for a, a lot of the games, so that's good. Yeah, <laughs> some, someone to vent to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and someone to vent well to. <laughs> and knows me well enough, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of talk you off the ledge a bit. Just, just only a 10. Only a 10. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, anybody who was a previous listener of the Buck Round would know that you had a uh, soft spot for Iowa. Um, what were your thoughts on Wisconsin's win? Well, it is my favorite game of of the season always, and it uh, I know we talked before, so I, I kind of where it came from is so I brought up my son, so his his mother is a hardcore Iowa person and grew up in Iowa City and uh, had, you know family is multiple degrees from the University of Iowa. They're all in Iowa City, so when when we were together. I was in Iowa City a lot and kind of got to got such a flavor for how the Iowa fans are, especially as compared to the Wisconsin ones. It's a little bit different because they don't have the Packers. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's it's a little bit more hardcore over there, but there's so many similarities between the, the, two, the two programs and the fan base and, you know, kind of the Barry Alvarez coming off the, the Hayden Fry coaching tree and, kind of borrowing a lot of the same things and upsetting the uh, the Big Ten apple cart, as it were, like uh, like uh, Coach Fry did 10 years beforehand. And, uh, yeah, it's just a strong affinity there for, for me, and I've never let it go. But it, uh, it nevertheless, is, is, is absolutely my favorite game on the schedule just because there's such mirror images. And, and as much as I love, you know, Iowa, I love Wisconsin 10,000 times more. So there's – there's there's no team on the schedule that I want to beat more every every year than Iowa. So yeah, you, you never want to go to uh, the in-laws and have to talk about Iowa football then uh, well, the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about that because they aren't my in-laws <laughs> anymore. So that part Fair I enough. don't quite have to worry about. <laughs> and and as far as my son goes, he um he he's he's you know he grew up here in Illinois so. He, he said a couple of years ago, he's like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not from Wisconsin and I'm not from Iowa, so I've got to be an Illinois fan. And I guess for this, you know, this season, it's kind of worked out a little bit, a little bit better for him. But uh, I had I had to respect that. So at least I have that going for me. Fair enough. Uh, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on the, the Badger win over Iowa this past weekend? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, going into it. I, I really I didn't have that many worries that that the Badgers were going to lose. Um, I felt like if they if they played you know quote unquote normal, and and did everything that they should do and and executed properly, 
you know, they should they should win. I didn't, didn't think it was going to be a super close game. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but I felt like by the fourth quarter they should have it well in hand. And the way that this dang thing turned out, you know, especially in the first quarter when it was just one just F up after the other, if I can say it that way, um, starting off in that first quarter, I mean, I, I just, you know, first from the first play of the game on, it's one mistake after after the after the next one. And, you know, the, the only way that that Iowa really had a chance in that game is is from the turnovers. And that's that if I if I was analyzing the game on the air, that's what I would have said going into it. And lo and behold, that's exactly how it turned out. And you think, you know, 21 six going into the fourth quarter. It was actually it's kind of funny. It was two sixteen left on in the third, and when when that score happened, and I'm I'm watching it with a with a friend of mine here who actually lives down the block, and he's a UW grad as well, <laughs> and we barely knew each other while we were there. I mean, we happened to to work and live in the same place, and it turns out I didn't talk to the guy for like you know almost twenty years, and lo and behold, we find out that we live right down the block from each other. So he and I are watching the game, and you know we're, we're like, oh man, all right, we got this, right? No problem. And of course, what happens is a turnover. <laughs> you know, Iowa ch- you know starts chucking the ball around, which I, I can't believe that Stanley only completed three passes and attempted only seven in the first half. Um, you know, but they started chucking the ball around and that, you know, that, that, that first scoring drive that they had was, was pretty impressive. I think you guys would agree. And, you know, Wisconsin gets the ball back and that's another turnover. So I, that's really the mistakes and the turnovers that, that kept Iowa in the game. Because other than that, I think it was a pretty impressive performance, um, by Wisconsin, especially, uh, you know, by Taylor running the ball and by that offensive line, it, you know, Iowa's defense, people might forget after this past weekend, but going into the game, I think they were, what, five or six in the country in rushing defense, right? That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, there were there are no slouches, and, you know, I think they're going to possess a, a nice test for Minnesota next week, too. Um, this year, uh, what has stood out to you about this year's team? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because, it, it, you know, it, it – I, I wasn't I wasn't putting anything on air, but if you talk to any of my friends, I said that they would have, that they were going to win the West. I really I really didn't have much doubt in my mind, and I felt like they would win at least ten games. I felt like ten wins were the floor for this team, and I just felt like I saw a bunch of improvement. And I don't know if it was too much from the carryover from the bowl. I, I that. My, my, if, if anybody remembers that our, the way we look, Rich and I looked at it, it was that that was kind of a myth that we always felt. But I felt really good about the team going into the season. So I, it was a little surprising to me that they had done so well, especially in terms of the numbers. And as it's turned out, we're we're looking at the 2010 season, right, where they had such a, you know, a great offense and, and a pretty solid defense, but they lose that game to Michigan State, the Big Ten opener. And they were down a bunch of guys, you know, So, but there's that kind of hanging in the back. And then in 2011, of course, there's the two Hail Mary games, and you're looking at, dang it, it's like the same darn Wisconsin kind of thing where you have this completely fluky loss against, uh, against Illinois. And, you know, good for Illinois. I mean, they've actually proven a lot i mean if you look at what they've done i'm not not against as good a teams as, as as wisconsin but the loss does look at least on paper a little a little bit better than it did you know but you look at where they could be right now and i don't think anybody expected minnesota to be undefeated and i don't think 
I know, I know for me, I didn't expect Minnesota to win this game. So you look at how much, how much an effect that the Illinois loss has on the, on the division race. And I don't think anybody would have expected that, you know, sitting here a, a week into November, uh, looking at that. So, I mean, it, it, we'll see how everything turns out, but that's kind of the way I see it is it's a kind of another one of these seasons that, that was had a lot of superlatives and a really, really good team um, on both sides of the ball. Finally, we finally get enough on, on each side of the ball to really do some damage and, you just wonder where where things would have what it could have should have been, and you you brought it up. I mean, everybody everybody's an Iowa fan yep. <laughs> listening to this podcast going into next week, and now you have to wonder. I didn't, you know, they. Um, I think Minnesota hasn't won at Kinnick. I think I think since is it two like thousand years? Yeah, yeah it's, like it goes back years, that yeah. far. Yeah, to the early Ferrans, right? Yep. And I don't know. I just I don't know if. A, you wonder about the motivation, but I mean, at the same time, I think if they uh, if they play the way they did in the second half against Wisconsin, it's you know right out of the gate <laughs> and keep that up. I think they've got a chance, but I'm not not quite as sure as I as I was last year. So I or, um, you know going into last week, so I guess I'll just have to see how it turns out. But uh, I, I think uh, I think the Badgers are still still set up to win, but you got to have got to have one loss because I think if uh, if Minnesota loses or doesn't, or Minnesota wins next weekend, I think it's a uh, real trouble because I'm not counting on Northwestern. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's counting on <laughs> Northwestern this year with the way they're playing. <laughs> um, you know, you and Rich uh, used to always kind of pick an under the radar player of the game. Uh, who is who's been a player on each side of the ball that's really kind of flown under the radar that you think's having a really good season, uh, both offensively and defensively? Yeah, you know, you mentioned that before we were on the air and, or, you know, a couple hours ago. And I, I've been kind of, I've been kicking that one around. And I think the, the, honestly, the best guy that I can come up with on defense, because you could say a guy like, uh, you know, Chanel or somebody like that, or maybe Noah Burks, right? I, he, he might be, a, he might be one. I, I, I kind of went over him a little bit, but I think he, people expected a lot out of, out of Sanborn and Oren. I think they've delivered. I think the same thing with the, with the D lineman. I, I kind of thought about Rand for a little bit, but I, you know, he was always expected to be a good player. The guy that I think has done a lot is, um, is Colin Wilder. And I seen him on the field a lot this past weekend. And I'm kind of wondering, I did, Burrell get hurt, but I don't think he was. And I, I, I and he was kind of the guy, he was one of these guys that, that nobody really talked about. He's a transfer and had to sit out a year anyway. And, and he was a player that Wisconsin wanted, um, a while, you know, a couple of years ago going into college. And he's a guy that I don't think anybody would have heard of. Obviously had, had Scott Nelson, uh, gotten injured and out for the season, but I think Wilder's done a really, done a pretty impressive job from what I've seen so far and I haven't haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch a lot but I was I was he really stood out to me this game or at least for being on the field and making a couple plays um I, I don't have my uh my, my partner would always correct me and be like really you think so <laughs> yeah no no I I was gonna I say I agree that, with but, you I think he's been I think he's been yeah. phenomenal this year and and you know he hasn't been called upon to do a lot but at the same time when he's made it been on the field he's made plays you know that game where he filled in for uh when Pearson and Burrell yes. were out, he, he played phenomenal. So it was just, he's a guy who's just knows his role and he's able to do it well and going out there and understanding that you're one out of the 11 on the field and doing your piece. Yeah. I think that that year off might've helped them. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I no, guess yeah. 
because no, I, I, you know, and he was really under the radar because nobody really expected much from me. Kind of, you know, he was in the two deep. Okay, you know who he is, know his name, but yeah, I think he's really stepped up. But on the on the offensive side, I think that's 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 a little bit tougher. Um, at least as far as I'm concerned, because I don't think you can pick any of the receivers. Um, and I don't think you can pick a tight end. Um, I, I think a lot of the difficulties they've had against Illinois, against Michigan State, I don't want to say Ohio State. I don't think you kind of toss that one out. But I think a lot of that, a lot of the fact that that they haven't run the ball in a couple in a couple games as well has kind of fallen on the on on not having Benchwan. Nobody expected Neville, but they didn't have him either. But the you know the freshmen are still learning that role in the offense and Samson's he didn't expect to be doing what he's doing. If you had an under the radar play of the game, it might even be him. I'd have to go back and watch to see, but I know he was on the field for a lot of snaps and has been for a while. And I think he probably did a lot of good with the bye week. Um, so I'd be hard pressed to fit him. I think one of the ones that you might have to, that you'd kind of look at in the same vein that really came up this week, um, as opposed to the other couple weeks was, was Mormon. Um, you know, he, he was the guy that kind of took over the role. I think, you know, we heard last week where I, I forgot when it was, but, but, uh, Rudolph had said that, that nobody had really stepped up in the guard spot in that kind of rotating guard spot to kind of take over and say, you know, this is my job and et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of looks like Mormon did. And, you know, and he's the guy who's been in the program, he's fifth year senior. And, uh, you know, you saw the, um, the best rushing performance against Iowa since again, the early two, <laughs> I think it was the year 2000. Yep. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So you go, you got to go back a long time to see what that was. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. So I, it, for me, it'd be a toss up between him and Samson. Yeah. And I think both of those guys are, are good options. They both done, done a good job in roles that they weren't necessarily counted upon coming into yeah. the season. You know, I mean, Samson was projected to be, you know, fighting for a two deep spot at right, left or right tackle. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you're out here. And, and, you know, Mormon was actually kind of swooped out into the, that reserve tack or tight end spot too. And to kind of see mm-hmm. him kind of, you know, go through that transition and then slot back into guard has been great. Cause he's been a utility player having played tackle and guard this year already. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's a little, a little bit like Neville probably, probably was, although I don't know if he's going to catch any passes, but I think there's uh there's a lot of commonality. I, I, I know Samson was, uh was a scholarship player as opposed to a walk on, but they're both, you know, the, the classic kind of Wisconsin guy from Wisconsin, from central Wisconsin, as it were. Um, yep. And, and has kind of stepped up and, and, and has been pretty versatile. And, and I think Samson, I think they may have even looked at him on defense. I, I don't know about this season, but I think they did last year at, or in the year before at certain points. I think, I think that's what they planned had uh, yeah. him playing when they came in ideally. And then they kind of had to push him back to tight end and then to the offensive line. Cause I think mm-hmm. he outgrew it. And now it's kind of just like, Oh, right. Well, you'll just be a jumbo, you know, <laughs> tight end. So um, is there kind of going along that, is there any players that have kind of surprised you this year? You know, a lot of times we hear a lot of the things, you know, or we see it at practice or whatever, but then, you know, you feel to the fire when you get into the games, kind of, how do you, who's a guy that's kind of jumped out to you? Oh, that's kind of a tough one because there's a lot of them that that have kind of done the opposite of that because I would have thought I would have seen more from the receivers. <laughs> yeah, uh, Danny Davis in particular. Um, but you know I don't want to I don't want to dwell on anything like that because I he, he did have a good game and he'll he'll still have plenty of chances. I'm not worried about that. You know, but as far as that goes, 
I um he's missed a lot of time and he was t- he's talked about so much but uh the younger Chanel man that that guy was he was even better than I thought um and I think if had he I, I know he was on the field this Saturday I didn't see him much and I didn't see him make any plays but I know I saw him you know kind of one of those camera close up pan shot kind of things I know I saw number 45 out there um but when he's played he has been really, really impressive. And again, I know he was talked up immensely before the season started, during camp, spring ball, et cetera, et cetera. But he, I think he's even better. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah, I agree. He'd be the guy that I would pick. Yeah, he had a, he had a, he got in on a tackle for loss uh, in the game, and I saw that they were kind of using him in a new hybrid role where they brought in three inside linebackers with him being one of them. And then I think they were trying to attack the interior of that. Iowa offensive line because their tackles are so damn good. Sure, um, and their guards. But I think so they're, <laughs> yeah, and their yeah their guards have been on a struggle <laughs> fest. But um, I think they were trying to get that. You know, I don't I don't think he. I know he had a QB hurry and a tackle for loss. But I think beyond that, you know, he had those head injuries earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But he's played really well. I agree. Yeah, even right. even better than than everybody thought. I think. I mean, and even oh, like yeah. I said, he was talked up a lot. Yeah, but I mean, you got to remember, coming from a small high school and, you know, seeing what he's been able to do has been phenomenal. Um, you know, this past weekend was the 20th anniversary of the 99-2000 Rose Bowl teams. Um, what's your most memorable moment in your Badger fandom? Yeah, mine's actually a lot more recent than that. I mean, those games, I mean, it's you would think that I'd have – it's it's kind of funny that people that know me know this – you know, so my I, I transferred to Wisconsin, and my first fall that I was there was was actually 1993. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good time to fall it, into it, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And and not only that, actually, in in Racine, I lived for um up until up until uh, high school, I lived four doors down from Brent Moss. So like, I actually knew the guy, and I you know I I knew him not from playing. He never played with us any kind of sports, and we, you know, we played football on the street, all kinds. Never, not once. Played Legos with that dude, and <laughs> you know, you'd think like that, you know, those would be the memories that I'd have. And, and honestly, from you know the games that I remember seeing, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was great. And but a lot of those games, I mean, I was up till you know four in the morning and on Saturday. Um, you know, a lot of them I even woke up. <laughs> like for the fourth quarter. So I, I don't have like a lot of the same kind of memories. And it was, you know, it was when I was in school, um, 98, 99, you know, those, those were good ones too. I don't have quite the same memories. It's different, you know, just, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of those games on the radio. I was in, um, I was in already in Illinois by that point in my life and I didn't go to up from a lot of games. So I got to go back to when I was with my, my kid's mother and I, the, the, and it'll still, I have, I, I don't know if it'll ever, if I'll ever see a better one, but the 2010 Iowa Wisconsin game, I was at that game, 25 yard line, and my 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 ex mother in law is um she retired from the university as like a you know benefits like senior director kind of person. So the seats that she's the season tickets that she had by that time in her life, I mean they were we were in six row, 25 yard line, right? And that that's the that those are her tickets, and I think they've even gotten better. Uh, since then so things like you know the fake punt was i was literally right in front of that 
Yeah, and... I was I was at that game too, and it was that was that was one of the coolest memories I've ever had. I was there with my brothers, and yeah, that was we, you know you at that point you thought they were screwed, and then all of a sudden you know right. they pulled that out, and oh my gosh, my brothers and I were all sorts of um, <laughs> alcohol beverages in our oh, system, yeah. and you're right on top of the field. Like if you're in the sixth row, you I mean you could mm-hmm. toss your hat onto the field if you wanted, and yeah. you know that was that was a hell of a game. Oh no! It, it, there was just so much about that, and you know, I went, I went there with you know my my, my ex wife and her friends. So you know, I'm at their tailgate. I'm like the only Wisconsin guy, and you know, there were people that I knew and stuff like that. So it was it was really cool, especially to go back afterwards. And they were they were pretty classy about it. I do I do have to say, because yeah. I think in in that game, you know, a lot of people would say it's, it's Scott Dockerman in particular. I mean, you know, that there was it's like Wisconsin tore Iowa's heart out because they haven't been the same since that game. And, and, you know, there's, there's just so much there that was the week after the, the, you know, the, the Badgers upset, um, Ohio state, um, number one at home, it was the next, very next week. So they had to kind of validate this. And there were, I mean, if you look back, I think there were 46 players on the field between the two teams that were drafted, um, over 60 of them that actually played a game in the NFL. That's and, wild. Oh, it's nuts. And, and, and going into the game, they had, they had lost Lance Kendricks, I think, on on a special teams play. They had lost James White on a on a running play. By the third quarter, they had lost um, John Clay as well, and they're down to Monty Ball, who obviously Monty beca- Monty Ball became a legend, Heisman finalist, Doak Walker winner, you know. But prior to that, everybody kind of knew him as the kind of the next guy, kind of a prospect, and he, he didn't even touch the ball. He didn't even see the field versus Ohio State. You know, people, you know, if you go back, you kind of forget that. But that's kind of the game when, like, the legend of Monty Ball was born. and that Yeah, that was his coming out party, kind of. It, it totally was. And there was, you know, on that drive with the fake punt, there was a fourth and four that had, you know, this, there was so many five wide in that in that game too which was which is crazy when you think about it that Wisconsin's running five wide against Iowa you know <laughs> and, and there was yeah there was a fourth and four that Monty Ball caught the pass and he converted it and you know three plays later was that kind of rumble that he had when he kind of stretched it out and from where I'm sitting you know it's on the west stand six row 25 yard line north end zone it's kind of far on the other side of the field and the way that I'm seeing it you can see that he kind of it was a lot closer to scoring than it thought. So when they finally, you know, called it a touchdown, everybody on, around me is golden black and they're just total despair. And, you know, I'm the only one cheering. Iowa gets the ball back. And the way that drive, that, that last drive that they had, they totally mismanaged the clock, if, if you guys remember that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, yeah. So if you were there, right, you remember that. And I just yep. remember, like, the whole stadium is silent when, it, when, when Mike Taylor tackles Adam Robinson going out that sideline inbounds. And you see the clock just go three, two, one, boom, game over. Everybody around me is just completely stunned. But the coolest part of that whole thing was that the freaking bull, the Heartland Trophy, where Iowa had it on the sideline was right in front of us. So, oh, so you got to see them all run over and grab it and yeah, get it all going. So, so it, like every like the whole team's like running basically like directly at me. Half half the people around me have already cleared out and stuff. Yeah, so they come and grab the trophy right yeah right in front of us. So, yeah, so that's. Yeah, as you can tell, it's uh, <laughs> that's, no, that's that my, was that's that my was best 
Yeah, that was one of the best games I've ever seen. I think that one would go right up there with that Jonathan Casillas blocked punt. I saw that one in Minnesota. That one was wild too. But, but no, that Iowa game, just because I was there with my brothers and, you know, we were having a great time leading up to it. And then it, you know, you, you just thought, oh my gosh, they let it slip away. And then all of a sudden they they had that fake, that fake punt. Just, I've, I've never experienced something like that where it just got deathly quiet after that and we were all just going nuts you know so that oh, was such a cool experience yeah, yeah i just i remember the the iowa one of the someone other one of one of them said that they were they were so sad that that the, obviously the result was the way it was and it was an ex, you know just a you know just a slobber knocker of a game and I just remember that fake punt and somebody lamenting the fact that Bielema had more of Hayden Fry than him than Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ultimate compliment. <laughs> so. Well, um, we're getting down to it. Uh, anything that you'd want to let the uh, your former audience know um, at the buck around? Yeah, no, thanks for listening. You know, it's all the listeners that, that made that happen. I, I, you know, I, I, I know I speak for Rich when I say it. I just, uh, you know, the, the, the folks that listened and uh, all of the folks that interacted with us on Twitter and the friends that we made, the friends that I made, the friends that still have today. I mean, it just, it, it was such a, such a fun time and just, just so, I, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, it, it was such, such a fun time and it just, it was so heartwarming that, that everybody had it. Well, uh, I know we had, I, I, if you guys follow me on Twitter, I know we have a, you know, we had a reunion party, the, the Kent State game at uh, listener British James House uh, in the in the Vilas neighborhood. And he's got a wonderful setup and we'll be um, we'll be doing the same thing again next year. So keep an eye out for for Twitter on that. And uh, yeah, anybody who wants to come by, we had had plenty of folks come by and say hello, have a beer and watched uh, watched a little bit of the uh, you know the pregame stuff that was 11 o'clock game the year before we had uh, we had our tailgate and that was the uh, the BYU game which was 2:30 so it allowed but a little <laughs> bit more time the game wasn't great obviously but uh, we had a good time beforehand so we'll keep doing that every year and uh, yeah but uh, yeah I just I want to say thanks and uh, thanks you guys for having me on it's uh, yeah it's fun to fun to be on the mic a little bit for sure for sure. And it was great to have you on. You know, this was our 100th episode, so we wanted to play some. Oma- Thank you. Some some homage to to uh, you two <laughs> as, as you kind of uh, spearheaded the podcast podcast game for a lot of people in the the Badger sphere. I know that you guys were one of the, the first people on the beat. Yeah, it was pretty barren back in those days. It was basically us and Jump Around, and, you know, they were sponsored. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, you guys had, like, Ciliac Bakery and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, we, didn't, yeah we, we had them. We, did, we just didn't have, like, the mothership, you know? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a – we did some trailblazing for sure. Yep. Well, I appreciate you hopping on, hopping on Max, and uh, take her easy, man. You got it. You guys take care, and uh, we'll see you see at a game sometime, okay? Sounds good. All right. Take care. All right, Badger fans. That wraps up the 100th edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks again to Max for joining the show, and shout-out to Matt for handling that interview for us. As always, we'll be back on Thursday for our Nebraska preview. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on Wisconsin.